Welcome back to another chapter of To Honesty and Comeuppance, an Attack on Titan fanfiction written by yours truly, Tolstoy Ackerman. You can find this fanfiction by clicking on the link in my profile, which will take you to all of my works hosted on AO3, or by going to AO3 and searching for the title, or my pen name, Tolstoy Ackerman, two words. Standard disclaimer, I do not own Attack on Titan, I only own the original characters here within, and this is entirely non-for-profit. Thanks for coming back for another chapter. Without further ado, let's get into Chapter 36. Chapter 36. Contracts Drafted and Drawn In between this moment, the one before it, and the one after it, was a space where all possibilities flowed. Lives could be unraveled and charred, they could be woven and nurtured, and civilizations could be born or killed, all between one blink and the next. When Eden dropped Himmel into his mouth to be swallowed whole, she didn't think she was falling or being thrown. She was diving right into the folds between time to find the threads waiting to be woven and nurtured by her hands and her hands alone. Before she could reach deep enough inside to clutch them, however, something icy and sharp sundered her armor of fire and reached into her chest like a fist to then yank her away from her fate. A sound somewhere between a wail and a shout rose up from within her, and she saw that there was a thread of shining, oiled steel, connecting and drawing her to Levi, who stood on the wide branch of a tree, with his mouth twisted in disbelief. Himmel's feet hadn't yet touched the wood when she heard the familiar sound of Odiemgir anchors sinking into titan flesh, and the explosion of steam as a nape was sliced. She craned her neck to see Mikasa and Hanji standing on the slumped shoulders of Eden's titan, pulling him out. What in the fuck was that? Levi demanded, the moment she crashed onto the branch. He had reeled in his wires, but the anchor was still clenched in the muscles just beneath her left shoulder like an inhumane leash, allowing her to move no further from him unless she wanted to lose a large chunk of herself. The heat that had seeped under her skin writhed like summer air trapped between the sky and hot roofs. Levi took a step towards her and crouched down on one knee, ready to leap up instantly if need be. She was still on her knees, fingers spread out on the rough bark, and when he put a hand over hers to elicit a response, they both gasped. His touch was so cold it burned, and Levi pulled away as if he too had been scalded. He took the canteen at his hip and poured the contents down her face, and her skin turned it into steam immediately. Her heart was racing, filling her head with each cacophonous pump, and she felt distinctly that she was about to burst. There was a pain like nothing she had ever been subjected to, a rending at the level of the soul that she could not ignore or bear. Put me back, she sobbed. It hurts. Had she ever shown her agony to him this clearly? Through the haze of the heat and her thrashing heart and her very existence screaming, she realized that he, too, appeared to be in pain as he took her in. What did he do to you? Levi said. Even if her mind were fully her own, Himmel didn't think she knew the words. They were about to weave new mornings from dew, to coat the mountains in the morning shrouds of night, to dig their toes into the sands of creation and build, and the longer she burned, the more the embers licked not only at herself, but also at all those threads between moments that once gone could never be found again. Just put me back, she begged. Indecision was a stranger to Levi, but he wavered before her. He was looking at someone or something behind Himmel, and while she wanted to turn around and know, the pain kept her from moving. He seemed to reach some decision, though, because he released the grapple and tugged it as gently as he could out of her chest. 
It barely registered over the flames, and he grunted as he picked her up and threw her over his shoulder. She wailed when the ice of his body seared her, but he had an arm wrapped tightly around her waist on his shoulder as he alighted from the tree and began heading east with swift, unyielding strides. Himmel managed to lift her head up just enough to see everyone staring at her with varying levels of concern. Grouped together were Hanji, Mikasa, Armin, and Eden, and even from this distance she could see that he was utterly and completely bewildered. The chance was lost, and as Levi bore her further from them, she wept. Tears steamed away the moment they left their hidden pools and touched her face, not even a trace of salt left behind. She found herself gripping the leather straps that secured the ODM gear fans to him, in desperate need of something that could secure her without burning her. With every step Levi took down the mountain, the wildfire lost its strength one small spark at a time. It felt as though she would be left to forever burn, some sort of punishment for not having found the threads in time. But those threads, if she had been quicker, braver, stronger, if she had managed to take them into her hands and hold them tight, Himmel knew that they would have woven her past, present, and future into a tapestry. She had come closer to the truth than ever before, and Levi had stolen it from her. How could you? she said, voice jagged from the pain. Levi didn't stop or slow. He said, How could I what? Save you from being fucking eaten while you just stood there? She screamed her frustration in a guttural, animalistic sound. This must be how a bear felt when startled awake during hibernation. Feral, outraged, and betrayed. And just like a bear, she didn't have the language to tell him exactly why what he had done was terrible. Did he hurt you? Mel, you're scalding. What is this? What did that brat do to you? He started opening, was all she could think to say. He opened his jaw to fucking eat you. Why'd you let him do that? Himmel searched for words in the hot ash of her mind. He wasn't going to eat me. He was opening. You're delirious. Should I bring you back? Will that fix you? No, she said, panicked. If any more fire were added, she felt certain that she would melt. All right, all right, forget I said it. We gotta bring your temperature down. I'm throwing you in that stream we passed earlier. He wasn't stupid. He knew this wasn't a fever. But the only thing he could think to do was treat it as a familiar malady that could be eased with simple means. Himmel didn't think that the cold of the water would help, because even his touch burned her with its stark difference from her own temperature. No doubt tossing her into the water would be such a shock that it would make her lose consciousness. If that took away the pain of this, she would spread her arms and dive. Her body was still racked with sobs, and even though she was staring down at the pine needles he crushed, she could feel the green and yellow lightning spike higher up the mountain as Eden transformed again. It struck her, seared in the backs of her eyes, and the fire in her spiked again. It was so sudden and excruciating that she screamed like she hadn't in years, like she was a small, scared child who didn't understand what was happening and why it had to hurt so much. Levi swore, and as Himmel's head bobbed limply against his back, it occurred to her that he was running. He was speaking, either to her or to himself, but she couldn't make out the words over the sound of crackling flames, or bones, or dry threads. Faster and faster he ran. The forest floor was nothing more than a green and brown blur to her when she managed to open her eyes. The pain was so great that she didn't even have the will to muster tears or sobs from before. She merely lolled against him and wished for it all to be over. Who knew how long or far he carried her? The next thing that registered in her mind was that they had stopped, and she was growing lighter. He was stripping her of her blade boxes, ODM gear, and boots. 
He put them on the ground, where she curled up like a dead spider as he removed his own gear, and then he looped one arm under her knees and another around her back, clenching her to him, and stepped into the water of the mountain stream before them. It hit her rear first, and then the tips of her toes, and then up to her neck only a moment later. His touch that had made her wail at first now felt like a balm compared to the frigid water. Her lungs, shocked, tried to expand, but stuttered, and the stripe of blue sky above them became dappled with black spots before everything turned white with steam. Breathe, Mel, breathe, Levi said between chattering teeth, slapping her cheeks. She had to relearn how. With conscious effort, she took in a shallow breath and pushed it back out as her body trembled. The two of them were enveloped in thick, cloying steam that made the air heavy, and she imagined that she was taking in as much water as oxygen. The cloud obscured the rest of the world, and all she could see was his face, every angle carved sharply into the now. His brows were knit together, narrow, dark eyes, unblinking as he searched her face for any signs of improvement or decline. He was clenching his jaw tight to keep it from trembling in the cold water. The stream they stood in was slowly dowsing the fire within her. Finally, she had the concentration to reach her arms up and loop them around his neck and rest her forehead against the column of his throat. His touch wasn't painful any longer, and she leaned into it. Over the course of several long minutes in which they both remained very still, the steam faded, Himmel's heart calmed, and the flames inside her died down to warm coals centered where the grappling hook had invaded her. "'Talk to me,' Levi said. "'Let's get out of the water,' she said. With her body pressed against his as it was, he knew that her temperature was no longer alarming, so he turned around and carried her out of the waters to rescue her against a tree a few meters from the bank, where he had left their ODM gear in a hasty pile. He took her long curls, twisted them into one thick rope, and wrung the water out of them before wrapping them over her shoulders once like a shawl, lest they touch the ground. Then he sat down beside her, and Himmel immediately leaned into his arms, pressing an ear to his chest so she could hear his racing but steady heart, breathing in deep through her nose so she could smell the fresh spring breeze in the middle of a summer day. "'You gotta tell me what happened,' Levi pressed, his low voice thrumming in his chest. You were so still it looked like he'd cast a spell on you or something. He pulled off your bandana hiding your hair, and then he picked you up to eat you, and you didn't do anything to stop him. I need answers. Did he control you? I don't know how to put it into words, she said. From when I first met him when we were in the cadet corps, it felt weird when I touched him. Too warm, too... beginning. But when he touched me in his titan form, it was a thousand times stronger— it soaked into me, and I knew that it was time to begin, to dive in and reach the source. None of what you're saying is making sense. Be plainer. Doesn't it feel strange to touch him? She said. She pulled away to see that he was completely at a loss. He feels just like anyone else, warm to the touch, like you. But doesn't some of the warmth go inside your fingers when you touch him? No, it doesn't. Himmel remembered how she had stood atop the armored shoulders and thought she was going to melt. She remembered how Bertolt had said that the Rucker's powers were rooted in the Titans, and while she didn't know what he had meant, she now had every conviction that it was true. "'Did he make you do that?' Levi asked. "'No, I wanted to. I'm scared now, but I still want to. You want him to eat you? Do you hear yourself right now?' Awash in the perplexing mix of longing and fear, she started crying again. That's not what it was. It was the beginning. The beginning of what, he said, biting out each word even as he held her closer. 
I don't know, and now I don't think I'll ever know because you took me away. If he had swallowed you, I would have butchered him, and if he tries it again, I won't hesitate. You're not being rational, Mel. You're worrying me. It was such a rare confession that she froze for a moment, but what could she do to ease his qualms when her own were overflowing? Whatever this curse is, she said, laying a hand over her heart, it shouldn't exist. I'm terrified of it, of myself. It's not a curse. It's kept you alive. It's let you help hundreds of thousands of people in the Undercity. It's kept you with me. You stay scared of the things you don't understand, and you may as well live the rest of your life in the walls. Now let me see where the grapple got you. His words stunned her. She had spent her entire life seeking bigger rooms for herself and her people, and yet she was still terrified to face the unknown within her. She could lead a supply run into Titan territory fearlessly. She could look into the eyes of the female Titan as it crushed her and feel nothing other than irritation. But when it came to traipsing the dark paths within herself, Himmel cowered so much that she couldn't bring herself to raise the lantern. Levi peeled her off him and unbuttoned her black blouse before easing it over her left shoulder. In disbelief, he ran his fingertips over the area where, not an hour prior, his ODM gear anchor had fisted her muscle. The icy water of the stream had washed away the blood, and, for an incredulous moment, Himmel imagined that it had swept away the injury as well. Nothing but soft, unblemished skin was there. "'When did you use it?' Levi whispered. But they both knew that she hadn't brought herself back. "'My neck,' she realized. "'It healed a little after I rode on the Colossal.' His eyes grew wide as he remembered. "'But Eden only touched you for a minute.' How could it be so different this time? She could only shake her head. Now that the heat was gone, she felt hollowed out and vulnerable as a glass vase on a windowsill. One strong breeze and she would go toppling down to shatter on the cobblestones. I'm scared, she admitted. He could use his tongue to make a thousand promises, but she could tell by the delicate set of his brow that with their world as turbulent as it was, he knew there was no guarantee he could keep a promise so he used his tongue differently. He tugged down the bandana obscuring her nose and lips and covered her mouth with his. She was shocked by the immediate hunger that flashed through her, by the way she draped herself against him so readily, by the way her throat ached with tears of gladness. The fear was still there, slimy and choking, but together they could drown it for a little. She lost her fingers in his damp locks, slanting her mouth against his and sighing as the tight muscles of her face relaxed and she was given a reprieve from that hideous smile. Levi sighed as he drank her in, as though her solace was his own. How many times in their years together had they wanted this? To feel his fingers on her was to grasp a log in the middle of vicious rapids and know that she could reach the shore, and she knew that her touch had the same effect on him. Himmel knew in the back of her mind that, even now, they couldn't give in to all of their desires. They may have given in to their feelings for one another, but if their relationship were discovered by the Survey Corps, not only would it be a flagrant violation of the law, it would tarnish Levi's reputation. No matter what her titan kill count was, those who knew her identity as a Sabakia would know that Levi was choosing to be with a mass murderer, not some sunray of humanity like Petra had been. She doubted that Levi cared what others thought of the two of them, but he had lived upside long enough that he understood the importance of protecting his image to an extent. They both held the reins of their desire loosely as she ran her fingers through the trimmed underlayer of his hair, and he caressed her cheek. If she could trade her black heart for anything, 
It would be the ability to freeze the entire world but for him and her. She'd create a life for him where he never had to kill and he never had to suffer, where he could simply be and she could be by his side. Could he feel that wish in the press of her fingers? Could he hear it in her soft whimpers? Could he taste it on her tongue? Levi broke their kiss and pulled back, lips swollen and chest heaving. He studied her as though she were an entirely new sunrise, and suddenly, stupidly, she was self-conscious. His gaze burned her with its intensity, and he seemed to be thinking something as important as it was tender. He tucked an errant curl behind her ear and danced his rough fingertips down from her temples to her cheeks, and then ran an index finger across her lips that were still parted in an embarrassed smile. So quietly it was hard to hear him over the stream behind her, he said. This is the you that's mine. Her heart fluttered, and she leaned in to nuzzle his nose with hers. Even now, when they were alone on the edges of civilization, he didn't permit himself to smile. However, it seemed that he couldn't stop his cheeks from flushing pink with want, and she kissed both of them reverently before pressing her lips to his once more. She could feel his entire body transform from steel to silk as he gave in to her caress, and with powerful but tender hands on the small of her back and her nape, he held her to him and made a soft noise deep with two decades of longing. Neither Himmel nor Levi expressed their feelings with words. No one had been around to teach them that level of finesse. Of course, as Himmel grew older and she learned what people responded well to, she had become capable of weaving beautiful sentences. But at her core, and at Levi's core, they did not believe in sorry or I love you or I'll do better. Those words were paving stones, tread upon for so many centuries that they were worn thin, all the divots and striations that had once made them distinguishable underfoot lost. But their hands, their eyes, their tongues, these were still vibrant, and what they chose to do with them was indelible. They pulled away to breathe, and when they did so, Levi slid his hands under her so he could turn her in his lap. Now she sat perpendicular to him, and she looped an arm around the small of his back and nestled her face against his cheek as he gripped her waist and thigh tightly. Their clothes were wet, and the summer heat made them all the more cloying and uncomfortable, but neither of them cared at the moment. For several minutes, they were still and quiet. Levi breathed in the scent of her curls and let the air out slowly. We should get you back to the house. Hanji's going to have a thousand questions, she said, smiling softly. I knew Four Eyes was going to be insufferable when we started experimenting with Eden, but now it's going to be ten times worse. Himmel looked into Levi's eyes. On the surface of the stormy gray-blue was irritation, but deeper within was an entrenched anxiety. His admission earlier of, you're worrying me, was tantamount to a breakdown for him. She could count on her hands the number of times he'd stated himself so plainly to her. How badly she wanted to promise him that everything was fine, that what had happened earlier was a confusing one-off that wouldn't ever happen again. But every day a new mystery writhed out of the earth without answers, and she was just as befuddled and frightened as he was. All she could think to do was run her fingers through his hair, smoothing it from where she'd mussed it earlier, and not taking her eyes off his, she swore, You and I are going to get through this. He gave an unamused sound, and his expression soured. We have the bad habit of that. Himmel chewed on her bottom lip, and he put a thumb on the corner of her mouth to force her to stop. She feared that perhaps watching her nearly being eaten by a titan today had revived memories he worked hard to smother. Who knew exactly how many people he had seen devoured? How many times had he heard his own comrades and friends' bones cracking between titan teeth? 
For that matter, those two that he'd taken in after he left her, Isabel and Ferlin, the intelligence she'd gathered had been scant, but she knew that neither of them had come back, and Levi had vanquished five titans single-handedly, likely in a fit of rage and despair. Levi spoke in the same low, measured voice he used whenever he was deeply troubled. Every word could be rolled in the palm of the hand like lead buckshot, heavy, rough, and devastating. Sometimes people keep fighting until they're swallowed. They jab the blunt edges of their broken blades into the fuckers' faces as they spit and curse them. One time, I saw someone get their bottom half bitten off, and even though they were dead, their arms jerked and they drove a sword into the titan's chin. I don't like to see men getting eaten, but when I see them baring their teeth and struggling until the end, it gives me hope that mankind isn't going to lose to these fuckers. Whenever I imagine how you'd die out in the field, it's that kind of death. Kicking and spitting and swearing until you can't anymore. Because that's you. You're a goddamn tornado. Nothing can stop you when you set your mind to it. Not even death. But when Eden grabbed you, you didn't do anything. You were just gonna let him eat you. When he picked you up, everything felt so fucking wrong. Like all the wind had been stolen from the world and everything was still and dead. I can't imagine a life without the wind, Mel. I tried, and I can't. She rested her forehead against his temple, and he tightened his grip on her waist so that she fit against him as completely as possible. He had spoken so briefly, and yet she found herself buried in lead pellets, pressed into her flesh and bearing her down against him, into him. Did he really spend time imagining all the different ways she'd die? No wonder his dark circles were like birthmarks. And even though Eden grabbing her back there at the cave had felt like a grave trespass to Levi, even now, Himmel unwaveringly believed that it had been the beginning of something more important than anything she'd ever done before. And had Levi just said he couldn't imagine a life without her? He couldn't imagine a life that wasn't spent beside a tornado? If she really did die, die for real, in a way she couldn't be brought back from, what would become of Levi? She had always thought his spirit was as resilient as his strength, and that if and when she was killed in the Undercity, he would mourn her quietly and move on. Was she wrong? She had no idea what to say in reply. Together they put their ODM gear back on over their wet clothes, and Himmel kept her long rope of curls looped around her neck since she'd lost a bandana at the cave, and she and Levi continued down the mountain back to the house. She resisted the urge to hold his hand, because they had their gear on, and they were back to being Survey Corps members again. They were both throwing themselves over a massive fallen tree when she finally thought to say, Well, at least we can get a head start on the laundry since we're going back early. We? You're changing out of those wet clothes and lying down. She threw him a sour look. I'm perfectly fine. You might feel fine, but we have no idea what happened to you. Four Eyes would want you to rest too. Himmel didn't think that she felt any different from usual. She was still stunned by what had happened, but physically she didn't feel any tiredness or pain. Still, the last thing she wanted to do was lie down in a bed alone. Maybe you should keep me under supervision, she said. What if I get possessed or something again? His expression could have withered an entire field. I suppose you're right. You're not leaving my sight. She had both won and lost this argument. At least she wasn't confined to a bed, but this did mean that she would be subjected to his overbearing nature for the next foreseeable hours. Lunch, she said. Do you have an appetite? She shrugged. I said it more because it's close to noon, I guess. And you're not tired anymore, and it doesn't hurt. I feel like I'm back to normal, I swear. 
She could see the distrust in his eyes, and she couldn't hold it against him. She had been telling him she was fine when she was bringing herself back from the dead for two decades. Not slowing, she put a hand on his shoulder and squeezed. He took his eyes off the terrain to look at her and her completely serious expression. I'll tell you if I start feeling off. He returned his focus to the uneven slope. You better. His tone was sharp, but she felt him relax slightly under her hand. Back at the house, Himmel and Levi stripped themselves of their clothes and gear, showered, changed, armed themselves once more, and set about the laundry. Levi was against her having her ODM gear on, as it was increased weight, so she had only her swords in their original sheaths and the knife in her boot. He let her carry the clothes hampers out of everyone's rooms, though he watched her hawkishly the entire time. When it came time to fill the kettle, Levi gave it a long look, folding his arms across his chest. Why are we using the butcher's kettle? he said. The wooden wash buckets were left outside and rotted. Besides, with the amount of people here, we needed something this size. The two of them looked inside the empty cast-iron cauldron. Upon arriving here, Himmel had scrubbed it out so much her arms had ached. Since then, it had spent hours sitting over the fire. Any and all horrors that had once been inside it were long gone. Still, now that Levi knew the lurid final days of this house and what its previous owner had used the kettle for, he couldn't swallow down his revulsion completely. "'Do you want to scrub it out before we start a load?' she offered when he said nothing. He paused for only a moment before saying, "'No, I know you cleaned it out. It just makes me think.' She saw how he dragged his neatly trimmed nails against the cotton of his sleeves and then wrapped his fingers around his forearms in an effort to suppress the tick. He grit his teeth in disgust with what he saw as a weakness he had never been able to overcome. He was soundless, but she had been with him long enough that she could hear every last intrusive thought plaguing him. Himmel wasn't a tidy person by nature. Because she never slept in the same place two times in a row, and her only belongings were on her person or in stashes, she had no opportunity to have a proper living space. If she had a home and possessions, though, she imagined it would probably consist of clutter and dust. Why spend time cleaning when there were others that needed her to help them with problems a hundred times more critical than mopping? All that mattered to her when it came to a place was its level of security. However, she had quickly learned that Levi felt differently. He had once dragged her through four different empty hubbles before settling on one for them to rest in for a couple hours, despite their utter exhaustion after taking out a gang. While she only wanted to protect her people from others that meant them harm, Levi sought to protect his people from everything, even the invisible threats. How it weighed on him. Now the intrusive thoughts were running loose in his head, in a swift and endless loop that he couldn't break free from. Himmel imagined that with each successive cycle, another streak of ash was added to his dark circles. How many people had bled out in that house? How many floorboards had soaked up their blood and piss and tears, and had he walked upon them with his bare feet? Had he eaten at a table where heinous dishes had been placed and dined upon? Had someone choked on their own blood in the bed he slept in? Could he hear the gurgles they would have made? Could he smell that thick, heavy scent of blood and the sting of bile? Could he feel the dried filth under his nails, in the creases of his fingerprints, under his skin where he could never, ever get it out? Most of them were killed in the summer kitchen, which I had torn down, Himmel said. The others met their ends in the yard or the barn. No one died in the house. This butcher kettle was used, but I cleaned it out back then, and once again when we came back here, and between every wash. This whole place should be burned to the ground, he said. 
He was volatile right now, focused on trying to take her words and suffocate all of the maddening thoughts with them. It was best to give him peace while he completed that delicate process, so Himmel went to the well to draw water and fill the kettle. She wished that she had a better place to offer them. A few other properties of hers had dark histories tied to their acquisitions, but they all paled when compared to this one. However, this was the safest, most remote, most undetectable location at her disposal, and the only one large enough to house everyone. She should have lied. She should have told them it was just an ordinary hit. Levi would still have viewed the property as tainted, but not in a way that made him want to scrub himself red. But she didn't want to lie to him any more. She didn't want to lie to any of them. It was selfish of her, she figured. Bearing oneself was a freeing act, but it burdened those that she had chosen to make witness. When she returned with a bucket in each hand, Levi took one from her immediately, and they dumped them both into the kettle. Then he walked with her back to the well. Out of the corner of her eye, she gauged him. His shoulders weren't as bunched as earlier, and his frown had faded to a more neutral expression. He seemed to have calmed himself. As she was drawing the bucket back up, he finally spoke. You've been more forthcoming with me in the past couple days than you have been in the entire twenty-five years I've known you. Himmel took the bucket in hand and put it on the edge of the well, keeping her eyes on the wet sides of the pail, her mouth wired shut with the guilt of having lied to him from the first day they had met. He put a cool hand on her shoulder and squeezed it, and his voice held the warmth of a summer morning. This is all I've ever wanted from you. His words cut into her. She put her hand over his, and they wove their fingers together. The moment was broken by the sound of many footsteps in the underbrush. Both of them tensed and turned towards the tree line a few dozen meters away from the house, not putting their hands on their gear yet. The rest of the team burst out of the forest at varying speeds, and Levi and Himmel relaxed as their fingers slipped away and they went back to being soldiers. None of them were running from anything. It was the very opposite. They were all running straight for Himmel and Levi. Hanji was ahead of the pack, screaming Himmel's name, while Sasha and Jean were the closest behind her. Others walked, with Mikasa carrying an unconscious Eren on her back, her arms wrapped tightly under his knees. A bolt of concern shot through Himmel as they came closer, and she could see that Eren wasn't only knocked out, there was something wrong with his face. It looked like he had been flayed poorly, and strips of muscle dripped down his cheek and onto Mikasa's shoulder. And, perhaps most concerning of all, no steam was coming out of his wounds. Her fingers ran across the rough wood of the pail, and her feet were moving, taking her to him. Vaguely, she was aware that Levi was at her heels yelling, and the others seemed apprehensive, but the world had been muted, and once more she felt the pull to Eden, to the source, but it was different now. Her role wasn't to take, but to give. Himmel stood in Mikasa's way, forcing her to stop. The girl snarled and went to step around her, but Himmel moved with her. Quickly the others surrounded them, and Levi was grabbing her arm, telling her to get away from him. She wrenched her arm out of his grasp and covered the bare muscles of Eden's face with her palms. Her hands were a blanket that wrapped around the damage. They gave him the warmth that she always stole from him. She could feel the heat from her heart stream down her arm, through all ten of her fingers, and trickle into Eden, and steam slithered out of the small cracks between her fingers as his body began to heal. Himmel, what are you doing? Hanji said leaning in so close that their brown locks brushed against Himmel's arms. Giving, not taking, was all she could think to say. None of them understood that this was what she was supposed to do, and that wasn't their fault. And 
that is the end of the chapter. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, this was a really difficult chapter to write because there were a lot of things to juggle. There's a lot coming up between Eren and Himmel, and I had to carefully consider what information to reveal, what to foreshadow, what to just not include entirely. Um, and so generally when I'm writing, I do my best to adhere to canon as much as possible with a little bit of fudging to the plot to keep everyone on their toes. And in canon, it's never stated whether relationships are permitted in the military, but I'm making them forbidden because I've just got a thing for forbidden stuff. Also, uh, this is the beginning of Season 3, Episode 1, Smoke Signals, where Eren's final transformation goes poorly. I've obviously inserted more events into this day and changed it so that he isn't healing. I figured that since there have been times in canon when he hasn't been able to heal, this is within the realm of possibility. So yeah, um, hope you liked this chapter, and you know, if you have any theories as to what's going on with Himmel and Eren, I would love to hear them. Um, you know, why do you think poor Levi has to have such a weird girlfriend? Um, <laughs> and yeah, alright, thanks again for listening, I'll see you for the next chapter, Bye bye